Welcome to Ali Talks, the platform for podcasts and videos to explore spirituality in your daily life. Simple and easy. Join the movement and go to Ali.vision. Hello and welcome to the Blossoming Unity podcast. We are Dennis and Nicole, and we are here to introduce you into the conversation about different spiritual perceptions, techniques, and methodologies in order for you to have inspiration for your day today in life. Hello and welcome everybody. Hello, Nicole. I hope everyone's week was absolutely wonderful. I hope you're feeling this very transformative energy because it has been intense. Um, recognize you don't need to carry the burdens that you have gathered along your journey and that you don't have to do it all alone. You can call on the ones who are consciously aware and who invoke change and expansion within you because we are here. We are oneness. <laughs> that could all that could be an ad. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. I love it. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> so tell me, how has your week been? Oh, it's been great. So great. You said so. It is. You know, you reach a point in your uh, daily practice when you have to start switching things up. And uh, I'm in that point where I'm switching things up, baby. I am switching things up. Uh, How do you mean switching things up? So, you know, you, you go into these, these deepness of uh, this, this unity within. And when you're balancing that divine feminine within you and the divine masculine within you, and sometimes you have to take a break with the divine feminine and you have to focus on your divine masculine only. And you're focusing on your divine masculine and then your divine feminine gets neglected within you. And then you have to focus on your divine feminine and you have to play this back and forth. And then you just find this technique where you're focusing on both at once and they're both getting exactly what they need and they're embracing each other. And it becomes almost this universal oneness energy. And when you spend more time there, when you spend more time, you know, um, just, just watching and observing and, and feeling um, the emotions as they arise and seeing the thoughts as they dance in the mind, there was this beautiful thing actually that, that really brought this awareness. Um, so I, I was deep in this really observant awareness and I was watching the mind. And when I was looking at the mind, it was, well, none of these thoughts truly exist. So what is actually there? There's just space. So the, the question came to me while I was in this deep meditation, it was, well, if I'm creating these thoughts, right? If I'm the one that's observing the sensations in the body, if I'm the one observing the thoughts and deep down, you know, I'm the one that's giving the energy for these thoughts to repeat themselves, right? To continue on there, whatever. That means I can create what happens in the mind too. So I don't have to create past images constantly fluctuating, I can also create the distance of being able to witness the spaciousness of 
being able to see the spaciousness as the mind. And there's this really beautiful thing that happened when I did that. It was, it was then when things arose, it was, it was like a hello. It's been a while. It was no longer, well, I just need to ignore it. I need to just, you know, because most of the time we, when, when I say ignore, I use that word in a way of, I'm not going to allow the thought to identify, I'm not going to identify with the thought or when I say ignore the emotion as it arises, everything's allowed to be there. It's not a pushing away. It's, it's not neglectful, but it's uh, having an awareness where you recognize I'm not it. Then it, it, it's come to the point where there's a joy when a thought arises and it's like, Hey, and it could be a thought that possibly no, uh, would have been stressful or something that would have been, you know, uh, a hit with an identity or anything of that nature. And it's just like, hello, it's been, I've been a nothingness. Hello. Hello, creation. Nice to see you. And I noticed how that started reflecting in, in my day to day right now when I'm, I'm making my bed, which I've, I've always made it a practice to do these things, being aware as you make your bed, being aware as you do your dishes, being aware as you do these day-to-day activities, you know, the small thing, you know, the, the, the small things, because you don't want to wait for some, you know, major thing to arise. And you're just like, shit, I haven't, I have no awareness. I'm deeply unconscious now. Thank you. But now it's turned into such a joy to make the bed. It's turned in, whereas before it, it was joyful, yes, but there was, it was different. It was, um, I don't know about you, but it gets to a point where you do the same practice over and over again. And you're very aware of the practice that you're doing. But then the practice at some point, it's like you, you get this feeling where and something needs to shift. You, you, you almost get to the point where, well, I've been doing this practice for so long. I'm not seeing any fruits. I've done the labor, but I also understand that it's not about the fruits. It's about the labor and the fruits are a byproduct, but I'm not seeing the fucking fruits. What's going on here? And then it all started arising. And that's why I started making these shifts. It was, you know, I don't really care about the fruits too much. I'm going to continue to do this because it, it, it keeps this awareness. You know, I, I'm, I'm actively aware. I am actively being here and not active at the same time. And now the, the joy that I feel when I arise and my eyes open and I get to make my bed or I get to walk across the hall or, you know, just these opening a door, there's just such, such a joy. It's like, I get to use this body as an instrument. I get to use this mind as an instrument. And if you would have told me, you know, 12 years ago, you know, when I started my journey, that I would be happy about making a fucking bed. I'd have laughed in your face and felt such a joy from it and felt such a joy from just walking, just walking. And to some, it's when I say that it's, it is just walking, but there's so much that goes into that very action of just walking the all the senses all the 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 subtle energies the 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 dimensions and the everything that has to go right for that to even exist 
that the the wind has to blow at a particular moment in, in miles per hour and the sun has to come out on time and all of these things the the ladybug that was on that sunflower had to leave at that particular time for that action to occur so it's you know it's kind of like the butterfly effect but when you really put it in that perspective and you see the vastness and that wonder just arises like it's such a joy it's such a joy and the fruit isn't something that's physical that you can walk around with the fruit is you you're the fruit <laughs> you're not human you're a fruit <laughs> <laughs> you heard it first in the blossoming unity podcast <laughs> it's so great i love it it's amazing it is I fully agree with you. I think um, it's it's really beautiful. Like everything you you speak about is um, it's it's so interesting to see how how masculine this practice is. You you really I think um, you really um, reached a point where you're you know, holding space or, or just sitting in meditation is a very masculine practice. Like mm -hmm. if any of you at home are, think that you have a lack of structure of masculine um, things like holding space or like, um, like if you also feel you're not creative enough, like, um, what you can do is like really amplify your masculine practice like and sitting in meditation and like um training your awareness is the purest form of masculine practice it's a very masculine energy it has nothing to do with the feminine naughty shakti chaos energy so um and you really put it like your how you trained your mind body really is amazing to see because the the depth that you speak about of of the experience like even feeling that information from the muscles going to the brain while you walk and then that even that sparks the the joy and joy is like endorphins and and you know like also being in contact with the physical components of the body while like opening the door or while making the bed in peace. Like that, that is just like so beautiful to see. I think from a feminine perspective, from a female body perspective, um, it's um, the change up of a daily practice. It needs it for me at least because I'm like, I'm feminine identified as physical, but I'm also very feminine in essence. I, from my experience, like there, there are feminine, like there are women, born women, which identify in essence more masculine. And there are men which identify in, in essence more feminine. But you are, you are a man identified in essence, very masculine, you're, 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 I, I, that's my feeling, by the way, if you feel that I'm wrong, but your essence is very, very masculine. 
And now you have this masculine practice and my essence is very feminine. So my daily practice needs to be, um, of course I make my bed every morning and I do that very consciously. And because that's discipline for me, I had to put in the discipline to, for certain things to happen, to occur. And, um, but my daily practice in, in terms of yoga and meditation is more um, fluent. It, it has a 40-day thing because that's what we do in Kundalini Yoga. We do things at least for 40 days. So that's what it has. But apart from that, it's, it's much more, um, it needs to be much more in flow. I need to, for example, I need to react on the needs of my physical body a lot because the female body has, it's very simple. A masculine body has one moon center where the female body has 14 moon centers. So uh, way more. So the, 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 the connection to the, to the planets, the, the, the cycles that a female body is um, underlying are completely different ones than masculine. So my, uh, my daily practice, the change of my daily practice is um, important and it, it contains more female things to do, I think. Mm. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I notice when it comes to, it comes to making the bed is, um, and with the, the, the folding the clothes and, you know, doing the dishes and these things that I do and making sure that, you know, when I, when I decided that, so for me, it was um, when I gave myself away. I remember when I was in the dark night of the soul, I had looked finally at the universe. I said, you know, what do you want to birth through me? I give myself away. I'm just a little, little me, oh me. The psychological me is not me and I don't care about it. So I give myself to whatever needs to be done. So I, I had to make the lifestyle change. The spiritual isn't like, a, for me, spirituality is, is life. It's, it's, the, it's, it's all of it. It's, it's everything that there is. And it, it, it was a whole lifestyle change had to happen. And what I started noticing is at the times when I would leave my bed un, un, unfolded or un, undone, when I got into that bed at night, that Ugh. energy was so off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when I wasn't aware, when I make my bed, that energy was still off. But when I'm aware and I'm making the bed and I'm there and I'm, I'm bringing presence and attention to it, it's, it's almost when you bring attention to anything, it's, it's seeing its reflection through you. Yes. So as I'm sweeping the floor, as I'm make, taking that walk and I'm just... I put me to the side and I just let everything experience itself. And I notice the difference in how the energy feels throughout the house as well as when you're setting up new rooms or changing up the energy is, oh, this seems like I can just put this book on the shelf really quick. I need to get onto the next thing. But when you pick that book up and you bring your attention and you put that book on the shelf and I'm not saying, you know, you don't have to be slow and be present. You can be very active and present, but just that little bit of attention. When, when, I, when I have the time to be very, because uh, it's fun. I like to go really, really slow with things sometimes. 
But when there's times when I need to activate, because I've been so slow for so often, and obviously it goes into the, you know, the fuel that I put into the body, the way that I breathe, the, the other life forces that I'm taking into the body and the reserves that I have. But the energy is always there. It's always there. It can pop off in any moment. And I can consciously choose to pop it off. It's not just, uh, oh, I have energy today. And then tomorrow it's, oh, I have no energy. <laughs> it's always a choice. But the, the, the main point that I was making was the, the energy changes when you bring that attention. And that, that was one of the biggest things for me. And I never really looked at it as a discipline. And now I can see like from, from the outside, it can't, that, that's a discipline. It's a discipline. But it was really always about the energy for me. It's always about the, 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 the sensitivity that I've, that I've allowed this body to get to. Mm. that I'm feeling it. I'm sensing it. And my sensory body is quite outside of the actual body, but I, I just, I, I can feel the energy from a mile away. And that those little practices of bringing attention to the little things that you do throughout the day can have a major impact on the totality of your life. Mm, totally. I wanted to write something down, but none of the pens work. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't work. What was it that you wanted to write down? You want to share with the class? Mm, I always um, try to summarize um, our talk in the description of the video. Uh. And because we're, because what we do is not planned, it's channeled. I would have to look at the podcast again because I don't know what we talked about. <laughs> like, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes you have to go back. And you no, have to I never know. What we, when Bettina, <laughs> like, Bettina asked me, like, so what was the podcast today about? I don't know. We just spoke. <laughs> Every, whatever wanted to come through came through. Like, I have no clue what I talked about. Mm. So I have to write things down in order then to not lose time and look the whole podcast again. <laughs> yes. That's what I do. But um, I feel to speak about um, the, in a yogic, how we, how we think of thought in a yogic science, because you said like, I think it was really beautiful what you said. You said like, there is nothingness and then there's creation. And how you said that that thoughts are not really true, like not really existing. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see um, how, depending on the dimension that you uh, live in and depending on your consciousness that you are able to hold, um, certain different realities are true, you know? For you, it's true that uh, the thoughts do not exist. And in yogic science, uh, we say, um, or they say, or we, I don't know, they say, they said, they wrote down at the time, 5,000, 6,000 years ago, that um, whenever you blink your eye, you're downloading from the universe a thousand thoughts into your subconscious landscape and those thousand thoughts can be interpreted into in the positive mind or in the negative mind so you have two thousand options 
of thought whenever you're you're blinking uh, you're blinking eye and depending on where you live in your subconscious landscape the vibrational quality of the thoughts you're downloading is higher or lower and depending on that um you then have uh behavior patterns belief systems emotional emotional damage <laughs> and don't say this word anymore without that it's so funny uh, <laughs> <clears throat> sorry that was random oh that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> and um so in yogic science um what we the reason why we do yoga and the reason why we do the the for example the addiction meditation is um we know that not every person on this planet has a consciousness like you have it like the the, the place that you are um coming from is basically the difference between om the the mantra om that's nothingness and the mantra ong, ong, that's what we use in Kundalini Yoga. That's matter that moves. So om is nothingness. We, we, we say the mantra om is the sound before creation. Mm. It's the sound of nothingness. So if you want to attract nothing, you chant om. If you are a householder and you need money, cars, mobile phones, and shit, you should not chant om. It's not ideal because what you're attracting is nothing. And it's really ideal if you live in a cave in the mountains in India, chanting Om does it for you. Maybe if you live in, in a city somewhere in the Western Hemisphere uh, of Europe or the United States or somewhere in Australia or, and you need shit, then you should not chant Om. It's not ideal, really not. You should chant Ong because Ong is matter that moves. They say there was the nothingness and then the Big Bang happened. Dennis is downloading data. <laughs> there, there's nothingness, Ong, and then the Big Bang happened. And that was Ong. That was the sound of matter that moves. So if you want to move matter on planet Earth, if you want to move uh, chi energy. If you want to move something, if you want to create, if you want to do, then ong is the sound you want to chant. And um, interesting enough, um, so that's where Dennis, like when you when you speak, this is where you're coming from. This is the the, the vibrational field that you're in when you see when you say there is no thought. That's true. In om, there is no thought. There is nothing. And thought is not even a vibrational creation. But um, for 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 most of us other people, <laughs> um, thought is very, is very um, real and can even be like when you're, when you're starting to be more sensitive and when you're going more into your daily practice and you, when you become more aware and when you become more um, empty, then uh, what you can feel is that thoughts are vibrations. A thought pattern is a vibrational pattern, and that is very real. And vibrational patterns of thought can even be, like they can be um, 
tr transported to you via another person. So that's like when you think of someone and then this, this person like calls you like five minutes later, that's when your thought of that person arrived in your uh, pineal gland and you're like, you understood that that thought and the vibrational essence of the soul of the person arrives in your system. And that's how telepath telepathy, 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 um, works. And that's how, what children do a lot. Like a lot of children communicate telepathically. That was right. Right. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And, um, so that's how it works. So every person has its very own unique vibrational description, like, the essence and then the thought and they're mingling together and then they're coming in into your pineal gland which is in the center of your brain and then you can detect oh that that was that person and that person wanted to say this that's what happens and um or for example they they say i don't know if that's true but they say the the governments and the military use vibrational thoughts um to uh steer their audience into a certain direction and i think that's really interesting with radio they do that with radio ultra radio waves and i mean the the possibility is given like we know that it's possible if you if you work with ultrasound um you can like it's it's a it's a a way of um making people go nuts if you want to you could do that like you there are many options so thought is not only a thought it's also vibration and the moment you're able and capable of like disconnecting dissociating from what you what arises within you <laughs> that would be like a very good first step for a spiritual practice disidentifying would be a better word okay bye. there's a identify disassociation it kind of just makes it uh you're not consciously doing it. Oh, in, in uh, trauma therapy, we speak about associated memory and dissociated memory in a very conscious way. That's why I use this word. But yeah, mm. this identifying is also amazing. Mm. Do you there's want to share nothing. that one? <laughs> there's just nothing. Yeah. So I think um, everyone but Dennis don't feel bad if you're not there yet. <laughs> it's okay. I have a story. Oh, yeah. Share it. So uh, let's say you, uh, you're extremely hungry. And uh, you see this restaurant and it's one of your favorite restaurants to go to, but you haven't been there in a while. So it's, uh, 
it comes to you and you really need to get in there and you really want to go into this restaurant. As soon as you get to the door, the restaurant is packed full of people. I mean, it is so packed full of people. They are recycling air at this point where you couldn't fit anything in this building whatsoever at all. You can't fit a chair. You can't fit a pen or even whatever, a, a credit card. It's so packed. That's a lot like... Uh, I like where that's going. When you're really identified with stuff, you're jam-packed full of stuff. Mm. So when you start disidentifying, a person walks out of the restaurant. You show them the way. Because you're able to see from the spaciousness of being able to see that building is fully packed. You're coming from the nothingness to be able to create that spaciousness. Mm. And you start showing the identifications, a way out the door. Hey, you're all stuck in here, but you can walk out this way. They were all worried and stressed while they were in the building. They thought that the world was going to end. Mm. Though some of them had really good intentions, you know, their intention was very pure. But uh, what is- Still uh, in the building. <laughs> exactly, suffocating. Uh. You know, uh, a great thing is what's, uh, what tastes good today may uh, poison you tomorrow. So you start helping all these identifications, all these people out of this building. And they start all coming out. And then finally all the people go out and you look at the building and it's just full of space. And there's this moment when you take a break and you go, I'm not hungry anymore. Yeah, because the cook left the building. <laughs> Difficult to eat when there is no cook. There was never a reason. It's like uh, when you do all the practices that you do and you do all the work that you do, there's a moment when you touch a space that is like, you didn't have to do anything at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there is also this, um, this option to invite someone in into the empty space, for example, the cook, like it could appear, it could be that you you figure out, oh, I actually wanted to come here for that pasta but the cook is not there so you could go outside and like um hello dear cook would you cook me this pasta and then you invite him in hmm. yeah. and you could even invite in a servant if you wanted to like and you could find a bottle of wine within you if you wanted to like but the, then the space is empty enough so you can start to consciously say oh, I want to have this quality or this thought pattern or this um, behavior pattern or this um, emotion. I want to experience that. And then you consciously invite it in. 
and but that's only possible to consciously um, experience something when it's empty enough. How how do you want to experience joyfulness or joy? Like Dennis said in the beginning of our podcast, he said, "I even feel joy when I just open the door or I walk." the ability to experience joy within your physical body as the restaurant is only there in its purity, in its most pure essence when the restaurant is empty and there's only joy there. So you can like really interact with that sensation and you could like let it uh, percolate in your body. Is that the right word even? I don't know flow in your body <laughs> so <clears throat> are any of these words right words <laughs> we don't know especially i don't know because it's not my mother tongue so <laughs> you have to decide if people understand what i want to say <laughs> yeah we should we, we should put a disclaimer on our podcast now too as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, nicole's mother tongue isn't <laughs> it's swiss german she's not english <laughs> That's why she's constantly looking for words. <laughs> she's not stupid. She's just not English speaking. <laughs> okay, that might be that people think like, oh my God, why is she constantly looking for words? <laughs> that yeah, would be so funny. You know, I don't think we've ever announced that on the podcast either. No, we did never. That's true. <gasps> people must think I'm so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay so my mother language is was german and then german and then french and then english so <laughs> just to just to be very clear on that yeah english is last yeah i'm sorry guys yeah for looking for words sometimes oh <laughs> <laughs> uh. See, the, the funny thing about English is you have to pick particular words and particular sequences as well. Yeah, with, that's with every language. Like, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> certain words don't work with certain situations. It's just like, even though the word means the same, it doesn't work in that particular um, sentence. I, that's like it. And the tone. Mm. You have one word, you can have one word in the English language, and depending on your tone, it means multiple different things. Yeah. Like shit. You can say shit. Oh, yeah. shit. There's this shit. video. Oh, there's this video of that guy. Uh, he's a comic. And he's, uh, where is he from? I think he's from Ireland. And he explains, he came to America and he explains to the Irish people how many variations of shit there is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can just be shitting all day. It's my favorite video. I find <laughs> it so funny. You shit all day and all different types yeah. of shits. Mm -hmm. Like he explains, like, if you're really tall, then you would say shit, you're tall. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he like. Or um, tall as shit. Yeah. You are tall as shit or yeah. you're short as shit. Yeah. And then he says, but that has nothing to do with your actual shit. <laughs> no, nothing. It's so or funny. Or you're, you're cute as shit. Yeah. 
You like you can put ass shit to anything. And also like when you say the word shit in itself, like when you say uh like shit, like you didn't expect something to happen and it did. You know, you could be like shit. Like that, like just in the way that you yeah. pronounce it in the tone of saying that only oh, that word. one word. But that's a that completely word different every language. You can do that in German as well, in French as well. That that like the pronunciation and the tonality of a word. Um, includes the, the communication mm. that, like in every language like I haven't I have I, I've learned a couple of it and that's everywhere the same so is that why when um, I speak to some people who are um, from a different country and I speak some of their their tongue they're like oh you have you have an, uh, an accent like an English person accent because I'm not using the tone in which a particular word should be used for per se conversation no, or sentence have- no, because you have an accent. Oh. It's, it, you know, my, the, the tonality of Swiss German, um, if I would speak English in the accent, in the, to, in the tonality of Swiss German. Can you give an I example? Would, I would speak like this with you. The Swiss German is a very uh, funny language and we have this sing-sang to Swiss German and then we have this uh, way of speaking with you. And usually people in Switzerland, they would talk like this. And then they would tell you that you can do whatever you want to do. You can come or go. Like, this is how we speak here in Switzerland. You know? Hmm. Like, and when I do the same in French, like if a French person speaks English, she uh, would speak uh, like this uh, because uh, she's uh, always uh, at the end of uh, each uh, because when a French person speaks to, to you, she would be like, uh, tu vois, c'est comme ça, on, on fait pas, tu vois. It, it has, every language has its very specific sing-sang. Right, and the rhythmic flow of the how they... The rhythmic flow of the language, but also the, it has almost like a pattern. Hmm. And um, the Italians, like it, when you go to Italy, and they speak English with you, they say, Nicole, uh, come here, uh, let's uh, play some beach tennis. Because that's how they, that's their sing-sang in the Italian language, in the French language, in the German language. Hmm. And so they're, what they're doing is they're just exchanging the German words or the, or the French words or the, the, the Italian words to English words, but they never change their, their um their thought pattern rhythms. That's why um, certain, certain countries have certain kind of thought patterns they're downloading. And the whole country is collectively downloading very similar thought patterns because it is, it is linked to the sing-sang of the language. That's why a lot of people that speak multiple languages have kind of multiple personalities in their language. I'm a completely different person when I speak French, when I speak English, when I speak Swiss German, when I speak German. It's like, and it's, it's, it feels different even because you, you, when you speak a language properly, you're adapting the sing-sang as well. Hmm. Oh yeah. And that's the beauty of like, I think that when people are like, oh my God, you speak so many languages. Um, 
the cool thing about speaking other languages is you have to adapt your thought patterns um, and your like even how you address the where the verbs are in the sentences and different languages have different placements of the per, the pronoun pronoun pronouns and the 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 the, the, the verbs and um, so it, wherever you place them. that's also a, a type of thought pattern that occurs mm. in that society. Mm. So I, I, I love, I like, I could speak about that for days. Like I analyzed so much of that when I used to live in Paris, for example, like the, when they speak about the French way, you know, Emily in Paris, the, the it's a Netflix series. It's very, com it's very, mm. uh, it's very, yeah. It's a Netflix series and it's a girl from the States that goes to, that works in Paris. She is sent to Paris to work there. Mm. It's so fascinating because it, it, it is very, it's very uh, simply made, but it really shows the difference between French and English thought patterns. It's very interesting. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we were good today yeah absolutely <laughs> are you happy yeah good yes are, are, okay. are, are, are you are you happy also when, when you said uh <laughs> this really funny thought just came into my head when you were speaking because you had made the point when you said uh, you know when when you're multi-link you know you can speak multiple languages um you almost have like multiple personalities yeah <laughs> And when you said some people look at you and go, oh my gosh, you speak so many languages. When you said that, what 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 popped in my head was, oh my God, you have so many personalities. And it's like for me, when I think of that, because within my spiritual practice, it's almost like the letting go of the personality, right? And and all of that. Like I instantly think of a straitjacket. And I'm not saying um like with, with personality, because personality, I, I just see how collectively insane it is yeah it is and that's true and you have to like it's also really interesting from like how to get clients how to you know when you're when you're uh when you're speaking multiple languages and you work mm. not in your mother language that does something to you mm. it's very fascinating Oh, and then if you have clients that you're working with, like, let's say you have clients that you're working with in, in, in Paris, and then you have clients that you're working with in Switzerland, and then, and, and then, in Australia, and, and, and then, way. right, and you're jumping from client to client. And it's very difficult to have a vibrational, uh, vibrational truth that you're sending out over social media, over, like, in what language, like, I chose English, because I think I want to work internationally, but interesting enough most of my clients are swiss german mm. at the moment but i had a time where i had only international clients so it it really like it attracts different type of people in different type of languages and it's yeah it, i really i could like, like we could do a whole podcast just on languages identifications yeah. personalities and, and then the past lives of those languages i spoke right. english way before I had English in school. When I learn a new language, I have the new language like this because I had so many incarnations in other 
in different countries and they are so wildly active they were at least at the time so they 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 just came in very naturally that's why languages is like the most the easiest thing for me i can like when i was in turkey last year i spoke my little turkish or in arabic as well i speak a little bit arabic i would not say i speak the language because i cannot like speak it like i speak to you now but like to say hi and thank you and can i please have a water and something to eat and like i get everything i need but it's very interesting like how many incarnations i have found in those languages and how they they come back and then how they are uh, projected through my physical body i love mm. like we we should do a podcast on that we I, should I, because we look at some countries and like yeah they have thousands upon thousands of tongues the next in the same country yes the next week podcast will be about languages cultures personalities uh, personalities and yeah. we do that and you know we could talk about like the the you know the the being able to recognize okay this is a personality that i have to use whenever yes. i'm interacting with the world but is it something that i need to hold on to when i'm alone yes. and just yes we can just go all the way in. Oh yeah, it. we have to go down that rabbit hole. If you guys have questions or if you have like experiences that you may on on your own and you want to you want to let us know, just drop us a DM. I would love to hear that. Yes. All or right. um you can also uh What is it? Yeah, just shoot us a DM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do the other thing another time. <laughs> yes <laughs> we should do an insta live for that maybe that would be interesting we could we but the, see the thing is all right so we are in two different time zones yeah. major on different parts of the world so when we're recording it is very much nighttime here and it's very much daytime there so we would have to align our lives whenever we choose to go live together. Yeah, we could do your noon, my 6 p.m. Or your 3 p.m., my, my 9 p.m. Okay. Okay. Like we could do that. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you guys. Perfect. Thanks for listening. That was really good. Love you. Have a beautiful week. Love you week. very much. And talk to you next week. About also, check out the tarot. Yeah. For this week. Check big, out big the 150,000 videos on Alley Vision. Yes. Go check out Alley Vision. Check out the magazine. Um, if you're not subscribed, subscribe to My Alley. It's a great platform to help yeah. you breathe, to help you do yoga, to help you become aware, to help better your life. Totally. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Lovely having you with us at Alley Talks. Would you like to know more about empowered spirituality, whether in business or for your personal life? Then visit us at ali.vision or write us an email at contact at ali.vision.